You are listening to the What A Word podcast, an interview style podcast where guests bring their unique experiences and insight on culture, life's challenges, and faith. Each episode is seasoned with words which will inspire and encourage. Now here is your host, Ryan Sharp. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Water Word podcast. Uh, this episode is special for a number of reasons. Uh, God willing, on tomorrow, I will celebrate another birthday. I can't believe that this little boy who used to run around and try to figure out life is now celebrating another year in the 50s. 51 years is what I'll be. Uh, God willing, on the 31st, on the eve of this recording, I, I get to also be joined um, by a good friend of mine, Pastor Keith Brown. Uh, he has an incredible testimony. In fact, I remember the first time hearing him speak, and I didn't know then that I would have this forum in which to ask him to retell his story. I want to share something about my friend um, we had an opportunity to talk just a little about our lives before recording. Uh, Pastor Keith Brown is a native of Jamaica. He's a product of the Seventh-day Adventist Church and a testament to the power of God to change lives. He's a graduate, graduate of Northern Caribbean University in Mandeville, Manchester, where he earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in religion and theology. He recently completed the Master's of Divinity degree at the Andrews University Theological Seminary in Bering Springs, Michigan. He also successfully completed five units of the accredited clinical pastoral education course at the Adventist Advent Health CPE Center in Orlando, Florida. He's currently a part of the pastoral care team at the Advent Health Kissimmee Hospital, where he provides pastoral, spiritual, and emotional support for the hospital staff, patients, and their families. He is currently pursuing a doctor of ministry degree, and he lives by Proverbs 13.20 that says, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companionship of fools shall be destroyed. Listeners, viewers, thank you so much for joining me again. As you know, you can access this podcast on YouTube or on Apple, Google, and Spotify. But I'm honored to have Pastor Keith join me. Please join me in welcoming my guest, Pastor Keith Brown, to the Water Word Podcast. Welcome, Pastor. Honored to have you. Man. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks so much. I had an opportunity to just catch up with you a bit. And... Um, you know, my hope, and I believe it will happen, is sometimes we have these conversations in these spaces, mm -hmm. and we don't know often the impact it has on others. But I do believe there is someone similarly situated um, who may be a young Keith uh, mm. going through the journey as you did once. Um, and it's not saying your journey is complete. But I'm sure you can attest to the fact that um, a lot of miracles happened along the way. And I want you to share your journey with listeners. I want you to tell us about the community you were raised in. Okay, yes, definitely. A lot happened along the journey. Um, the community I was raised in is a little rural community in the um jamaica the parish of clarendon that is james hill cartil to be exact and so in that community for a young person to make anything of his or her life you must leave james hill so you know what the community have to offer is like you basically have a farm few cattle and that's about it so growing up in James Hill that's what we, that's what we see so <laughs> let me tell you this I remember this clearly that 
my brother and I, we used to, this is how we used to talk because this is what I saw. My mom was a domestic helper. My dad, he was a janitor at the school and he also worked the field. So this is what my brother and I said, we're gonna grow up, we're gonna smoke cigarettes and we're gonna have a wife. We're gonna have two kids, the boy to go with us to the bush and the girl to stay home and help our wives in the home. Why? That's exactly what we see in our, in our in, that, that's exactly what happened in my circle. I see my dad going to farm the field and my mom, she domestic affairs, we, we call it, you know, she just stay home and take care and take care of home. So that's what the community offer. So whoever was able to go to high school might move on to college. I never get that opportunity. So I, I was a, I was a student at Claude McKay High School. My dad worked there as a janitor. And after a while I reached 10th grade and I dropped out. Not because a bad boy or anything, but there was so much trouble with my dad and mom. My dad was very abusive. Yeah, so I experienced that. And so as a result of what was happening between them, he decided that he don't care about us anymore. So we were left to fend for ourselves. So all of us who were in school dropped out. So I dropped out and I started, when I dropped out, I go back to the default. So there was this man in the community, Mr. Lopez. He had a farm, some cattle, some poultry, he had a tractor. And so I just went with him rode the tractor, feed the pigs, feed the poultry, feed, uh, go work on the farm. That's how I make money to live and also to take care of the family. And so at one point I told him to save me because each time I worked, it was just going because I had to be caring for the family. And so after a while, my dad said, okay, you're working, I'm not getting nothing out of you, so I'm gonna give you to the government. That's what he told me. And, he to and I had to stop working with um, Mr. Lopez. And so I was just sitting down at home doing nothing, you know, just thing day after day. It, it, was, it was rough back in James Hill, you know, after a while, it was my dad and I live together and mm -hmm. we do what he would have, he, he do his thing. I do my thing, you know? So I was basically on the road doing what boys will do every day, going to the river, going to the bushes, shooting mm -hmm. birds, you know, it was time for graduation. I was watching all my friends graduating and nothing happening for me, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It, it was rough and it was a community. I, I grew up on the theology that you're good for nothing and you will never make anything of yourself. You will never come out to anything good. I, I heard those from my family and also from community people. And you see, the, the thing about it, I believed it. And I started looking like it and I started living like it. Mm -hmm. Until this day, I still struggle with those stuff. I have to still pep talk myself until this day because mm -hmm. of that damage. Man, because we're talking about what I guess authors or people who write on personal development would call your formative years. Definitely. And, and what you describe for me is a, a future in your mind anyway that seemed limited, very limited to mm -hmm. just doing certain things. None of them that would have brought you to a higher level than your parents were in terms of earning, et cetera. Definitely, because, yeah. because even, even, even when I became a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, I, I'm at church now and they're asking me to do stuff in church. One thing, 
Even though I don't know what to do, I never said no. Until this day, I think I should say no a little more, but guess what? I never said no. And by not saying no, it gave me an opportunity to learn and discover. discover the, that's why I believe that the unknown is a beautiful place. Even though it is frightening, even though there's uncertainties in the unknown, you don't know what to expect, but it is in the unknown that great things are born. Sometimes they ask me to pray. I remember a church and I was just kneeling down during the AY time at the table and I'm just sweating like crazy, perspiring like crazy. I don't know what to say. They gave me the scripture to read. I couldn't read, but the Bible is open and somebody would stand beside me and read along with me. And so, and so it was then I realized that, you know, uh, something, I can do something. And so there was this lady at church, Sister Stewart. She was the organist. She told me to come to her house every Friday evening. So I would go to her. And after a while, she said, listen, Keith, you're in charge of worship. So I would have to prepare for worship each Friday. And so her, her, her home was my preparation ground. And then she would encourage, listen, when you go to church, I want to see you doing this. I want you to sound like this. And so from her living room to church and from, from her living room to church, to the community, into those evangelistic series and street meetings uh, and street meetings. And, and, and even then, I remember after I finished preaching one youth day, the, uh, folk was encouraging me to go back to school. And this one person said, in the midst of everybody, she stood and she said, listen, Keith should not go to school. Keith is not going to make it in school. Keith needs to go learn a trade. He won't be able to calculate prophecies and all of those stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You I know, I think, I, I think we take it for granted. I, at least I grew up um, in the church. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess you could call it third generation, etc. One of the things I wanted to ask you was whether with your surroundings, with what you were experiencing, whether people who you would consider angels on earth reached out to you to kind of make a difference in your life. It sounds to me like the church, um, although not perfect, did that to a large extent for you. How did Adventism come into play in your life? How were you introduced? Were your folks Adventist or was it something totally different in terms of your family history thanks for asking that as it totally different my family detests anything seventh-day adventist so i was and still is the only seventh-day adventist christian in my family so 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 i remember after the Bible instructors came looking for me, because my dad and I share the same name, they call him Keith. He's Titus Brown, but they call him Keith in the community. So when they came looking for me, they couldn't find me. So when they caught up with me now, and they share with me as a young man, I, again, I said yes to everything. Then this, it, that was the, 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 the Wednesday and the Sunday, I walked to the tent, my white jeans, my long sleeve blue shirt. I was the first in the pool to be baptized by Pastor Kent. So, so. How old were you then? Huh? How old, I, was, how old? I was 16, I'm 43 now. I, yeah, they keep telling me I look like 30 something. <laughs> but I turned 43 the first of January this year. So I was 16 then in 1996, yeah. So you were introduced to the message on our about 16. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, so, so and I remember when I, when I was leaving the house with my black scandal bag with my change of clothes, my dad asked me, this is what my dad said. In Jamaican, he said, all you are going to baptize the man? And I said, yes, sir. And he, and he laughed at me. 
And there were some other folks say, okay, we're going to give him until Grand Market night. That's the night before Christmas, I think. So in my community and in my family, Adventism, no, nobody, nobody want to have anything to do with Adventism or Adventist folk. Everybody was otherwise minded. But Ryan, it is God through the Seventh-day Adventist that has given that, that has given shape and context to my life and by extension, my journey in every sense of the word. Not a perfect journey though, because you described, you know, the gaps in terms of schooling. How was it to adjust to doing um, all of the things that came with church expression? Like you described the challenges with, with praying. How was it for you um, making the word plain to people now? Because I imagine once you are a yes person who is willing they probably opened a lot of doors for you to do things volunteer-wise. Talk to us about that journey now, trying to adapt without the formal education. How was that for you now as a new believer? Ah, uh, man, it, it, it was challenging, but the thing is, Pastor Dudley Osin was my pastor. And the fact that he would push me and encourage me, tells me that I have something to share and something special. So, so, so even though the subject and the verb don't agree altogether, they don't agree altogether, but I take it as I, I, I just accept my limitations, as it were. Some people accept what I have to. And the thing is, whenever time somebody come to me and said, listen, you could have, this was what you said wrong. You could have said this this way. I always take it with open arms and learn from it and do better the next time. You know, sometimes, let, let, let me say it this way. I did not shy away from doing what I was, I was asked to do. And I think by not shying away, that was what helped me. So whether I do it right or I don't do it so right, I get the feedback, I get an opportunity to do, and that makes me better for the next opportunity. Awesome, man, awesome. So I want to talk to you now about your early years in James Hill, mm -hmm. just feeling limited. Now you are um, a believer among a membership of 70 Adventist Christians. Did that open up another world of possibilities for you in terms of career and even your gifting? Oh, yes. Yeah, because um, growing up in James, I'm still a new believer. So at this point in time, I'm in church. So I am no privilege to go to other church to represent James Hill Church. I get an opportunity to go to lay preacher institute, to go to camp meetings and stuff like that, to represent the church. But as I mentioned, as we were talking before, you know, I started seeing these other young people in the church that have good parental guidance and backings who push them to aspire and achieve. And so I literally start desiring that. When I hear them going home and studying and finishing up high school, are they preparing for CXC and GC and they're planning to go to college? I started desiring those stuff. 
you know, I started desiring those stuff. And so it opened up my eyes. And now I see, you know, life is not about what I know in James Hill before the advent of Adventism. There is some, there is light behind that, beyond that. And, 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 and so observing the other young people there and as I, as while I'm there, we invite other churches to come in to do programs. And so I get a chance to interact with other young people from different parishes all over Jamaica. And so that really started, that give open up my appetite for more as it relates to education, hiring and Listen, uh, pastor asked me what you want to become. I said, I want to become a pastor, pastor. Mm -hmm. I didn't know exactly how that was going to happen. But that's what I, 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 I desire. And all of that was born out of observing the other young people at my church. And those are the people who come in from time to time. And then, you know, as I preach, as I teach, and to the encouragement from the brethren, you know, that really helped me to realize that there is something there, despite what I think and I hear other people say. That's powerful, man. So your family set up, it sounds to me like mom and dad at points estranged, um, you have a number of siblings, not a lot of resources. You now have the desire to become a pastor, but we're talking now about more schooling, high school, NCU. What was that journey like for somebody with limited resources? Oh man, it, it was difficult, very difficult. I remember when I told my dad, I was going to school, Victor Dixon High School in 2001. And he said, yes, I'm going to help you September. And it is 2000, it is 2023 now we're talking and I have not seen that help until this day. So I had no parental backing. Let me put it this way, um, Ryan. Right now, when I look at my journey, I cannot come upon one instant where I have received from a family member anything that have impacted my journey, spiritually, financially, educationally, emotionally, and otherwise. My journey thus far is all the dead strangers contributed to my development, my journey. So, so, so what, what happened now, going back to school, first I had to get, get uh, I, I, for Victor Dixon High School, Pastor Osin and I went there and um, we went to the bursa, no money. I started with nothing only because I got a job at custodial services, sweeping classrooms, cleaning baths. That's what I did. I would walk on campus. I look for the windows that need to be cleaned, go to my supervisors and we negotiate for hours. And so he said, okay, I will give you five, five or 10 hours to clean those windows. I would sometime I take, he will pay me the amount for 10 or five hours. Sometime I'll take two or three, clean it and move on and look for the next job on campus. You know, in Mandeville, I went to Mandeville, I, buy, I bought my shelf, myself a machete because that's what I knew. I go back to the default. That's what I knew from James Hill. So I bought a machete and I walk in Mandeville and I take jobs. While I was at NCU, I cut lawns, I do gardening. That's what I did to pay through Victor Dixon High School and through not. So, so I work at the, at the 
Jamaica Union for quite a few years as a gardener slash landscaper. And that was what I used to pay my way and to survive, to live from. Mm -hmm. That's what I did. And, and I think it's understated that had you had the resources, the journey from high school through NCU would have been a lot quicker. How long did the time take because you had to, not only financially, but with all the gaps you had earlier in education, how, how much more difficult was it for you and what time frame were we talking about? from say high school through completing NCU, Northern Caribbean University. Okay. So I, I, Victor Dixon was three and NCU was nine, nine, 10, 11, 12 years between NCU and Victor Dixon High School. It was super, super, super challenging because what happened as a, you know, what I was learning, Ryan, at age 21, I should have learned at age nine, 10, 13, 14. I was 21 sitting in a class, third form at Victor Dixon High School with students who are 13, 14, students who are like 17. I would, in a cocky suit and epaulets, Sometimes they come and try, they try to talk to me and want to find out my age because I'm a big boy. I, I, <laughs> I'm a big man in school. And I, I think to divert them because I was, I was kind of ashamed of being in a class so old. But the thing is, I rather to be embarrassed during class than to go back to James Hill. So, so, so the fact that I was way advanced in age than even my teachers and students. That was, that was really a struggle for me. And, and, and man, I wasn't doing well educationally. I wasn't doing well. I remember in third form, I failed almost everything except A for Bible, B for business basic, C for history, B for geography, and a B for physical education. Everything else was F and Ds. And pastor asked me, Keith, you sure you want to do school? I said, yes, pastor. He, he's, he, told, he came to visit us here. He, he came to stay by us. He was on his way from Mexico and work duties. And he came to spend two weeks with us. That was in November. And he told me, he said that, the principal called him and said, pastor is failing everything. We don't know what to do with him. We can't help him, but he's quiet and he have manners. <laughs> yeah, he quiet and he have manners. And they kept me at the school, you know? And, and, and then things started, I started improving. I started improving, you know, but, but it, it, was, it was very challenging nine years at bachelor's degree and three years at, um, at high school diploma. Man, it, 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 it was a journey. But the beautiful thing is that I've gone places and I have shared. God has guided me. Crazy difficult journey. And I've seen young men who thought they were they were far gone, they were too far gone. And as a result of my story, they're able to realize that they are at a, a, a beautiful place. Just before I left Jamaica, I remember this guy, I saw him and we were talking and he went into, he, he, he ended up going to Victor Dixon and then he went to NCU, he did bachelor's of arts in religion and theology and minor in mass communication because he had three subjects at the time and he thought that he had failed. Mm -hmm. When I finished Victor Dixon, I only had two. I only passed two out of my eight. So even when I finished Victor Dixon, I was still at a disadvantage. I couldn't matriculate at NCU. So I had to go to pre-college 
at NCU. And while I was in pre-college, I, I, I managed to pass, I did GCE Bible and I passed it with a C. And then I did human and social biology. I passed it with a, with a C. So now I had four. And now I needed two more math and English. You know, yeah. So it, it was super, it was super difficult, man. It, it was super difficult. You know, it, 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 yes. You know, and I, you know, I, I want to come back to your point because I don't want to cut you, but mm -hmm. I'm thinking about your introduction to church. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you and I are talking now about your being a candidate for a doctorate, which, you know, when, when you read it on paper, it's one thing, but to talk uh -huh. to you and hear about the journey. Yeah. Was it clear to you then that God had interrupted your journey to just bring about something beautiful did you did you have any understanding or conception then of where this thing was going to go when you were talking now about becoming a pastor sitting in ncu even though it took a while that your whole journey had been interrupted no <laughs> not at all not at all not at all. And, and the thing is that, Ryan, this is one of the things. You see, I strongly believe that success breeds success. Success breeds success. So guess what? The moment, Victor, the moment I graduated from Princeton, it is, it is an encouragement to move on to the next thing. So I move on to NCU. I don't know how NCU is gonna happen because I have, I have, first of all, I don't have no money. I don't have no support in terms of family other than dead strangers and good friends. I don't know. I don't know how it was gonna happen. I, I said, I want to become a pastor. I say it, but guess what? I didn't know it. I didn't know how it was going to happen. The means for it to happen. I don't know how it was going to happen because, it, yeah. And so the moment um, NCU became a reality, I started desiring something else. So NCU, I graduated. While I was at NCU, let me drop this in. I met Natalie. So Natalie, both grandmother, both parents are Jamaicans. So she came, so she she came to visit her grandmother. Natalie's wife. <laughs> definitely. So definitely. So Natalie, yeah. So she came to meet to, to visit her grandma. And first of all, uh, uh, a friend was dating her friend. Conversation ensued. My name came up. And so we made contact. And then she came to visit her grandma in Jamaica, in Jamaica. One lived just a little way from NC and another one lived in Portmore. So we met them. And so after, after, after I didn't know how this was going to happen. So after I, I met her now, you know, we dated for a while. And um, we got married in 2013. And I, and I went back to, to Jamaica and finished up my one year, at, the final year at NCU. So now, after NCU was done, listen this, I literally said, I want to go to Andrews University to do the Masters of Divinity. And his word to me was, how are you going to pay for it? That's what I was asked. Then, how is it you just come to live in America and you want to go to school already? And it started reminding me of my journey back in James Hill and those stuff that people always, it's like, I feel like I always have to be proving myself. So, so I, I didn't know it was going to happen, but this is what I can say, Ryan, is that success breeds success.
success breeds success. So, so, and I also said too, I'm going to go to Andrews. I'm going to do the Masters of Divinity and I'm not going to pay for it. That's what I said. And so while I was here, so, so now I came into, I, I came to live in Florida, fresh as a pastor from Northern Caribbean University. I can't, no jobs. I'm preaching and baptizing here in Florida, active in my church, went to the conference, talked with the president. They said they're not hiring. After they tell me that three weeks after they hire four guys from Oakwood University with only bachelors. And so I decided, okay, I'm gonna go to school. And then I was here again. I go back to the default. No work. I don't want to sit down. So fresh from university as a pastor, I took a job as a landscaper. So I was here in Florida working as a landscaper. Out from morning until four by eight o'clock. 8.39, I am soaked from head to toe, working as a landscaper. And while I was working as a landscaper, that's when I started studying to become a chaplain. And so I was with a temp agency, and then I saw an opening at Florida Hospital for a landscaper. So I applied for that. So now I got that job and I was working at the hospital as a landscaper. Now that come with health insurance and a little more than with the temp agency, health insurance and all them stuff. So while I was at the hospital, now again, I go back to my text, he that walketh with wise men, I started observing the chaplains and I started desiring that. So what I would do, I talked to my supervisor, I said, listen, I'm planning to go study. If I have to work on Sunday, I will. I need one day for school. So chaplaincy school, we do my clinical work on a, on, a, on, a, on a weekend and I go to school for all day school on a Thursday. And then I, the other days I'm at the hospital doing my landscaping. And then while I was there, I heard about the, um, MDiv slash CP program. I applied for it like twice. First time interviewed, I was destroyed. I went for it again, I got through. So I was able to go, I, I did my one year residency. Now I resigned from landscaping and I was fully into the clinical pastoral education program where I worked for a year with the hospital doing school and doing my clinical work. And I finished that program in fall, I think of 2019. And then after that, we went up to Michigan for the seminar. Um, and guess what? At the end of my studies there, they write me a check for a thousand and change. They, they owe me money. Mm-hmm. So, 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 so it was paid for in full, it was the first time in my life I studied and I didn't have to work. And the program that should have taken me three years, I did it in two and a half years. So the when did, when did it begin to click for you? Because NCU sounds like, in terms of your journey, the catching mm -hmm. up, like everything you had missed before forced you not only because of lack of resources, but just trying to catch up with studies, it, it, it made the process even more difficult. When did the light bulb go on where the academics became easier for you or less challenging? When did that start happening? Now where you're doing programs in two years, you know, and um, when did that light bulb go off that, you know, I can't do this work, no, it's becoming less challenging. I would, I would, I would say the light, it clicked for me. It clicked for me when I started my clinical pastoral education work. Cause at that time I started understanding myself. I, I started understanding 
I started understanding the real person I am, my rough edges and all them stuff. I started understanding what my limitations are and I was able to accept what I can change and work through what I can change. So it was when I started my clinical pastoral education work because at this point in time, I remember my program was so unique I, while I was in the hospital, because this is the thing, in my community in James Hill, if you have a doctor, a dentist, or a teacher, they are like the persons in the community. And I grew up with that thing where you see that a person who is a doctor is like, man, I must be down here and he's up here. So while I was doing my clinical work, I was assigned to a team in the hospital to care for the resident doctors. And with the resident doctors, you have an, uh, I don't know if it's an attending, but you have a senior doctor. And so I had to provide spiritual and emotional support for the doctors. And I was like, what on earth is this? And then while I was there, I realized that Caring for these people, what I was sharing with them and getting close to them and talking with them and listening to their response, coming back and say how, how what we have shared together, how much it has helped them as, as doctors in their practice and stuff in the hospital. Then I, I, I started realizing that, man, I think God has given me something you know, it just needed some time to be refined. Yeah, and, and, and so the clinical pastoral work, you, you, you know, each and every day, Robin, I'm, I'm with the team and I am the expert. I am the spiritual care provider on the team. I am the expert. Just as though you have an anesthesiologist, you have the surgeon, you have the cardiologist, I am the expert on the team as a spiritual. Whatever they need to know as it relates to spiritual care, they have to consult with me. <laughs> you know? And that's when he came home to me and said, man. So I decided that, okay, so this is what it is. I need to be an expert in my field because all of these people, they're going to look to me for everything spiritual. You know? And, and so I would attribute it to that. That's when it started clicking for me. So understanding myself and what my limitations are, because sometimes I feel like I want to hide. I feel like I'm not enough. And I have to literally tell myself that, listen, you are here. And if, if you are not a part of this team, this team is lacking something that nobody else can provide. Pastor Keith, what have you seen when you've shared your story? Um, are people in disbelief that someone that started where you started is now where you are? I mean, even in telling your own story, is it hard for you to even accept that you came from here from there to here. Yes. And you know what I, right now, I have my landscaping tools and every now and again, I load them up in my car and I go find some old people who are living by themselves and not able to manage so well. And I go look after their them just to make sure I stay humble. Because the thing is, when I share my story, yeah, a lot of people have the draw drop. Mm -hmm. When I share my story, yeah. Because it should not, 
It should not have happened according to popular opinion. And when I share it, I also notice that it makes a difference in the thought process and thinking and whole attitude of people. Mm -hmm. And in your private moment, I'm sure if you could have done it all over, you wouldn't have wanted it to be as difficult as it was. <laughs> no, I appreciate the fact, I can appreciate the fact that, that um, the challenges has helped me to be better. But yeah, there, there are certain things, even right now in my life, there are certain things I don't want to see. I don't want to, you know, like right now, I work and save my money and my buy really nice clothes to wear because I know where I grew up. I don't want to look like that anymore. Yeah, I don't want to look like that anymore. So, so I appreciate the fact that, you know, the struggles, my struggles have matured me. Yeah, it has matured. My struggles has matured me. But, man, uh, uh, <laughs> some, of this, some of this stuff along the journey, I, 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 I would rather not go through. Yeah. I would rather not go through. One can't be held but moved, not only by your story, but by the fact that you represent a large segment of young people in Jamaica who, not through any fault of their own, are in circumstances they have no control over. Some of them may even have an opportunity to listen. Mm -hmm. And they're in this valley not knowing how they could live beyond where they are now. Pastor, could you share something with that person who is in that valley, who doesn't see anything beyond their own James Hill? A word of encouragement for them. What I would say to that person is that there is only one you and you are a person of worth you are a person with unlimited potential you are a unique person who cannot be doing anywhere god makes you that way and so all that you need to aspire and to achieve in life god has already packed that in you God has invested 100% of us in us. All that we need to aspire and grow, God has placed it in us. Listen, I never know that I could be in a doctoral program and I'm halfway in the program and I'm carrying straight A's. straight A's in the program. This, this December, this year, I will finish the program. It is 16 weeks packed into eight weeks. So as soon as you and I finish, I'm gonna start my work for this week. Cause every single week, Thursday and Sunday, there are work that you have to turn in. I didn't know that research paper could be done in five days. So guess what? I am saying to that young man or that young lady, where you are right now, it seems hopeless. And let me go back to this. It is the unknown. It is frightening. There's a lot of uncertainties. It seems hopeless. You are in the unknown right now. But listen, it is in the unknown that great things are born. It is in the unknown that you're gonna discover some hidden potentials and possibilities that you, you didn't know exist within you. So guess what? Don't allow your circumstances right now to 
true. But for what it is right now, study it, understand it, and draw from it, and use your situation presently as the stepping stone to get to the next hurdle. That's what I, I have to say to such person right now. And Pastor Keith, let me just say how proud I am of everything you've accomplished, man. I, I am genuinely so happy for you. And not only because I know you're living out your dream and your purpose, but because you are willing to share a lot of the hiccups and the challenges and the barriers with others. Someone listening may be moved to support someone who is in a James Hill, mm -hmm. um, maybe you and I could touch base about ways to connect them to people in need. Because as you and I had discussed off the record, there are a number of ways we can help people. We can put it in a pool where people can share mm -hmm. or we can identify students who just need a helping hand. So maybe you and I could touch base so that in the episode notes, if people are willing, to help the young kids out there who just need a helping hand that they can find some support as well. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. Anything you wanna say about family, man? I know beyond everything that is happening, you now have legacy. Say a little about your family. You mean, you mean my, uh, my immediate family? Well, right now, um, right now, and I, we have a daughter, Gabriella Abigail Brown. She's now six. Um, I'm surrounded by all females right now. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I hope that God will bless us with another child though. Yeah. My prayers, man, are with yeah. you and your family. Blessings on you, man. And listen, on your demon journey, my <laughs> prayers are that you will have all the success in the world. Pastor Keith, thank like you. Thank sure, you so sure. much again for sharing with listeners about your journey. I don't know if you are a social media person per se, but if somebody wants to get in touch with this man of God who preaches, who teaches, who expounds on the word, how can they best get in touch with you? Well, they can best get in touch with me at 863-399-5491. 863 Listen. This is my thing, Ryan, like I make myself available because of my journey. I tell the Lord, I want to be available to touch the lives of people. So anyway, Lord, that's where I desire to be. Hands down. Yeah. So 863-399-5491 or R-U-E-L underscore Keith Brown at yahoo.com. Mm-hmm. And I'll be sure to put it in the notes uh, so people can um, reach out to you. Pastor Keith, thank you so much again for sharing, for being an inspiration, for being transparent about your journey. Thank you so much again for being a guest on the Waterworld. Thank you, Ryan. It's a pleasure. I, I deem it a pleasure, man, for you to consider me to sit and to, to, to share with your listeners and your viewers. Uh, it, it's an honor. It's an honor. Thanks Most so welcome, man. Most welcome. Blessings again on you and your journey and on your family. Thank you so much. Good, good. All right.